Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? Second week of Advent. This is such a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time of year. And whatever you're doing, I pray that you are uh, lessening your time with Christmas parties and shopping and all of that and really withdrawing from the world as the people of God waiting for the Messiah. It's a time of penance. It's a it's it's known as a mini Lent. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've asked uh, my sisters here uh, in our uh, community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, to tell me what uh, because this is just religious tradition to give me whatever penance or penances they will be practicing through Advent and what they will be reading. And as parents, you should do the same with your children. They need to come, if they're old enough to write it down, they could write it down, which would be wonderful, but they need to come, mom and dad, to you together, and tell you what they will be reading during Advent and um, and what penance or penances they will do. It's whatever they choose. There's no right or wrong. But whatever they want to either, either give up, it could be food, it could be a spiritual practice that they enter into, uh, it could be anything that they want to do on their heart for God. And it would be very good for you to ask your children to let you know what they want to do. Don't tell them, don't give them suggestions. You can give them some suggestions, but what's best is what's on their heart for God. And um, if they write it down, it, it would be better. Um, they can give it to you. Um, we need to make this time different, not just the time before Christmas, um, and ignore the preparation for his coming. There was no time throughout all of history which God, uh, during which God did not um, tell his people to prepare for his coming. And so we are preparing one for the, um, the memory of his coming 2,000 years ago, but, and then again for his second coming at Advent. We, we also look forward to the second coming and, um, and to his coming into our lives daily through the holy sacrifice of the Mass. If you look on our website, motherofisraelshope.org, instead of uh, titling these weeks the first and second coming, uh, we've titled it the first and second warning because that's what it is. It's a warning. God is giving us time to prepare for now and for eternity. Uh, let me say while I'm at it that um, we've had many of you subscribe to our newsletter. I finished the newsletter last night, and we're going to go over it and edit it and put it together and send it to our printer. And you've got still probably this whole week to um, subscribe if you wish. Just go to motherofisraelshope.org, click on the newsletter link over to the right, and right on top there you can click on subscribe, and you can get the newsletter um, via email, 
uh, or snail mail, regular mail, or both, email and, and regular mail. If you get it, a regular mail, we usually enclose a holy card or a CD or a gift. So you're welcome to do that. I know that's more expensive for us, but we really want you to have all this information. And the current email, which we've just finished writing and have to now go in and edit it, um, so far I'm on 30 pages. It's the big, biggest newspaper we've written in the history of our community, which began only in 2008. So it's not that many years, but it's, it's going to be huge. Why? Because we want to cut through all the heresy, all the confusion in the church, and give you in that newsletter what Catholics must believe, no option. If you're Catholic, here's what you must believe, and here's how you must live, M-U-S-T. This is not Protestantism, do your own thing. If you are Catholic, just as the Jews of old, if they were part of Israel and they wanted to remain part of Israel and not be ostracized from the community, they needed to follow the law of God. And um, Jesus came, he said, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. We need to fulfill the law of God, which is love, but it is um, faith working through love. It is the faith that was given to us from Israel, through Israel, for the whole world, fulfilled in the Messiah. Uh, do we need to keep the Ten Commandments? Yes. Did Israel fail to keep them? Yes, they did. But, and as a Protestant, I would say, well, Jesus kept them, so we don't have to. That's absolutely wrong. Jesus kept them and lives in us so that for the first time, we can keep them, and we are held accountable. So, beloved, there's much work to be done for our salvation and for the salvation of our families and our children and those we love. It's no time to be lazy. It's no time to put things off. Um, uh, we need to work while it is yet day. While it is yet day. So uh, you're welcome again to sign up for the newsletter, motherofisraelshope.org. And I'll announce again, people have asked, do you still need an assistant? And the answer is yes. I need a good woman who is detail-oriented, who can run an office, uh, handle contact data management, QuickBooks, deposit checks, um, correspond with people, speak to them on the phone, handle the many requests we get. So it needs to be someone who's mature, and that person needs to live in Tyler so they could be with us. Uh, they would have flexibility on hours, and some of the work could be done at home if that would help them, but they need also to be local. Um, if you're out of state and want to apply, we have a guest house, and so you could come to Tyler, and we can let you stay there while you are with us for a day or two, or however long. Um, okay, and so uh, that's it. I think whatever salary, we can pay salary, um, and we'll have to discuss that um, individually with, with each one to see what we want to meet every need. So we'll see what the needs are. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do today is go to Dom Geringer, um, who has written, as many of you know, a 15-volume work on the liturgical year. And on Advent, he wrote first the history of Advent, and now we go to the mystery of Advent. And um, 
uh, he said, now that we have distinguished Advent from the rest of the year, we would penetrate into the profound mystery which occupies the mind of the church during this season. We find that this mystery of the coming or Advent of Jesus is at once simple and threefold. It is simple, for it is the one same Son of God that is coming. It is threefold because he comes at three different times and in three different ways. In the first coming, says St. Bernard, he comes in the flesh and in weakness. In the second, he comes in spirit and in power. And in the third, he comes in glory and in majesty. And in the second, the second coming is the means whereby we pass from the first to the third. This, then, is the mystery of Advent. Let us now listen to the explanation of this threefold visit of Christ given to us by Peter of Blois in his third sermon, De Adventu. Quote, There are three comings of our Lord, the first in the flesh, the second in the soul, the third at the judgment. The first was at midnight, according to those words of the gospel. At midnight there was a cry made, Lo, the bridegroom cometh. But this first coming is long since past, for Christ has been seen on the earth and has conversed among men. We are now in the second coming, provided only we are such as that he may thus come to us. For he has said that if we love him, he will come unto us and will take up his abode with us. So that this second coming is full of uncertainty to us. For who, save the Spirit of God, knows them that are of God? They that are raised out of themselves by the desire of heavenly things know indeed when he comes. But whence he cometh, or whither he goeth, they know not. As for the third coming, it is most certain that it will be, most uncertain when it will be. For nothing is more sure than death, and nothing less sure than the hour of death. When they shall say peace and security, says the apostle, then shall sudden, sudden destruction come upon them, as the pains upon her that is with child, and they shall not escape. So that the first coming was humble and hidden, the second is mysterious and full of love, the third will be majestic and terrible. In his first coming, Christ was judged by men unjustly. In his second, he renders us just by his grace. And in his third, he will judge all things with justice. In his first, a lamb. In his last, a lion. In the one in between the two, the tenderest of friends. Isn't that beautiful? Blessed be God forever. Blessed be God forever. We're going to continue with this um, sermon by um, uh, Don Garanger, who lived in the 1800s and is quoting other saints as well. I think his cause is up for canonization. He should be a saint. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this when we come back and give you time to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Call in or text one 511 5483 with anything at all on your heart. 
our email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll take your calls and your emails during our entire uh, second half hour. God bless you. We'll be right back. We the people are guaranteed five freedoms in the First Amendment. Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press. Freedom to peaceably assemble. Freedom to petition the government. Only the United States has these five freedoms so simply bound together and guaranteed. Think first. Learn more at thinkfirstamendment.org. Gospels record many instances of our Lord going off to a secluded place to pray, so we can be sure that finding a quiet place for prayer is vital for us as well. Located in the serene setting of Cranberry, Pennsylvania, the St. Thomas More House of Prayer is the perfect place to deepen your prayer life or to hold a group retreat. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center whose mission is to pray the Liturgy of the Hours and spread this beautiful prayer of the Church. Book a visit or learn more by going to liturgyofthehours.org or call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. very wonderful woman I knew had four children and all four died between the ages of five and eight. And somebody went up to her one day and they said, oh, what a pity. And she said, oh no, what a blessing. See, if we don't begin to look at everything with the eyes of Jesus, you will become helpless and hopeless. The Station of the Cross proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam, and I am live, and I'm so happy to be with you. Um, We um, have about less than 15 minutes before our second break, at which point we will take your calls, your emails, your texts, toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Continuing with Dom Garanger's mystery of Advent, he says the Holy Church during Advent awaits in tears and with ardor the arrival of her Jesus in his first coming. For this she borrows the fervid expressions of the prophets to which she joins her own supplications. These longings for the Messiah expressed by the church are not a mere commemoration of the desires of the ancient Jewish people. They have a reality and efficacy of their own, an influence in the great act of God's munificence, whereby he gave us his own son. 
from all eternity the prayers of the ancient Jewish people and the prayers of the Christian church ascended together to the prescient hearing of God. And it was after receiving and granting them that he sent in the appointed time that blessed dew, capital D, the manna, upon the earth, which made it bud forth the Savior. This is so beautiful, beloved. You know, um, I've, I've mentioned in the past that during my Jewish uh, heritage in our home, um, the time uh, that we anticipated his coming um, was not as a babe in Bethlehem, but as the Messiah at Paths Passover. Um, the, the Old Testament, particularly the book of Isaiah, speaks of a dying lamb and a, a reigning king, a suffering servant uh, and a reigning king. And more scriptures speak of him as a reigning king than a suffering servant. And so um, that's what we expected, the reigning king, not because we were versed in scripture, we were not, but that's what all the, the, the traditions led us to. And as we celebrated the Passover and 3,500 years of our history as a people of God, um, we actually lived not just a history lesson, but we lived the exodus from Egypt. God delivered us with his outstretched arm. We are his people. We were enslaved, enslaved by, the, by Pharaoh in Egypt for over 400 years. God brought us through the Red Sea, and now he's coming to free us from the slavery of the world and set up his kingdom that we can rule and reign with him. And that's what the Jewish people were expecting in Jesus' day, that he would come. They were slaves to the Romans and free them. And when he came, they said, if you're the Messiah, what are you doing on the cross? Come down. You call up a thousand angels. What are you doing up there if you're the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But he didn't come to set up his kingdom, the first coming. He came to die. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came to die for us, that he could come a second time and set up a kingdom in our hearts. Now he comes to take all of those who have given their lives to him in his second coming to uh, eternal life with him in heaven. Those who believe and those who don't will spend eternity apart from him in hell. No one likes that language anymore, and so our priests have stopped preaching it. But um, I don't know when I've heard that from the mouth of a priest in, in so many years, but that's what the scriptures say, and that's what the faith says. And um, it hasn't changed, and it cannot change. Truth cannot change. And so as we approach Christmas, if we approach it as a holiday rather than a holy day, just a holiday, that's where the word holiday came from. There were holy days, two words, holy, H-O-L-Y, day. And it just became holiday and worldly. So now Christmas is lights and Santa and bells and trees and presents. Is there anything wrong with all of that? No, except we have buried the Christ. We have left Christ out of Christmas. 
And, beloved, if you do that, you are damaging your children. You are withholding from them the greatest treasure and gift they could have, not just in simply knowing who the Christ child is, but really anticipating him, really waiting for him. Um, I read the story last week, Waiting for the Christ Child by Michael Matt. It is so exquisite to me. I've read it every year for the last, I think, four years. Why is it so exquisite? Because it's a true story of a true family who lived their faith, who lived as if it were real. And these little children really waited for the Christ child to come every year. The whole thing was reenacted every year. And they were so excited. And the gifts were fine. And he said they actually spread the gifts over the 12 days of Christmas. But it was the coming of the Christ child, the expectation. We need, dear ones, to set that up in our homes and with our children. The church aspires to the second coming, the consequence of the first, which consists, as we've seen, in the visit of the bridegroom to the bride. This coming takes place each year at the Feast of Christmas, when the new birth of the Son of God delivers the faithful from that yoke of bondage under which the enemy would oppress them. The church, therefore, during Advent, prays that she may be visited by him who is her head and her spouse, visited in her hierarchy, visited in her members, of whom some are living and some are dead, but may come to life again, visited, lastly, in those who are not in communion with her, and even in the very infidels, that so they may be converted to the true light, which shines even for them. The expressions of the liturgy which the Church makes use of to ask for this loving and invisible coming are those which she employs when begging for the coming of Jesus in the flesh. For the two visits are for the same object. In vain would the Son of God have come 1,900 years ago. And this is Dom Garanger writing this in the 1800s, so he says 1,900 years ago. Where do we, where do we, here we go. I lost my place. In vain would the Son of God have come 1,900 years ago, and now we can say 2,100 years ago, to visit and save mankind unless he came again for each one of us. And at very moment of our lives, bringing to us and cherishing within us that supernatural life of which he and his Holy Spirit are the sole principle. But this annual visit of the spouse does not content the church. She aspires after a third coming, which will complete all things by opening the gates of eternity. She has caught up the last words of her spouse. Surely, our Lord's words in Revelation, the Apocalypse, surely I am coming quickly. And she cries out to him, Ah, Lord Jesus, come. She is impatient to be loosed from her present temporal state. She longs for the number of the elect to be filled up and to see appear in the clouds of heaven the sign of her deliverer and her spouse. Her desires expressed by her Advent liturgy go even as far as this. And here we have the explanation of these words of the beloved disciple and his prophecy. The nuptials of the Lamb are come, and his wife hath prepared herself. But the day of his last coming 
the day of this, his last coming to her will be a day of terror. The church frequently trembles at the very thought of that awful judgment in which all mankind is to be tried. She calls it a day of wrath on which, as David and the Sibyl have foretold, the world will be reduced to ashes, a day of weeping and of fear. Not that she fears for herself, since she knows that this day will forever secure for her the crown as being the bride of Jesus. But her maternal heart is troubled at the thought that on the same day so many of her children will be on the left hand of the judge and having no share with the elect will be bound hand and foot and cast into the darkness where there shall be everlasting weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the reason why the church in the liturgy of Advent so frequently speaks of the coming of Christ as a terrible coming and selects from the scriptures those passages which are most calculated to awaken a salutary fear in the mind of such of her children as may be sleeping the sleep of sin. And I will say, beloved, to many, many bishops who have lost their faith if they ever have it, and I say bishops particularly because you are the the successors of the apostles unless you are an imposter. If you're one of the communists who infiltrated the church over 100 years ago, if you're a false shepherd, if you're a shepherd in wolf's clothing, or rather a wolf in sheep's clothing, I should say, or in shepherd's clothing, if you are false, um, then there's no hope for you uh, apart from God's grace penetrating your heart and saving you. If you have been a true shepherd and have bought in for any reason, for cowardice, for popularity, for power, for camaraderie with your errant bishops, um, for whatever reason, you have bought into heresy. You are leading the sheep astray. If you do not repent between now and his second coming or your own death, which could be in your sleep tonight, you will spend eternity in hell. To whom much is given, much is expected. And you have been given much as a bishop. You have been ordained. You have been made a priest of Christ. You have been ordained and have the inheritance of the apostles on which Christ founded his church, the apostles and prophets. You have a unique standing, and God help you if you let the sheep lead you rather than you leading the sheep. God help you if you so reach out to LGBTQ people and welcome them and have a mass for them and celebrate with them. You think you're showing them love? What you're doing is showing them hate. You don't love them enough for them to spend eternity with God. You want them to love you. You want them to be comfortable and accepted in their sin. And if you have been so fooled so long if you have been in sin so long, to accept that this is love, that marriage is anything but between a man and a woman, that same-sex marriage, so-called, that gene, gene, um, gender ideology, 
LGBTQ, transgenderism, all of that. If you preach that, if you teach that, if you embrace it, if you let your sheep embrace it, you are destined for hell because you are sending them to hell. You need to wake up. You need to repent while there is yet time. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 5th. Today we celebrate Saint Sabas. The name of today's saint isn't likely to sound familiar to those of us born in the West, but Saint Sabas is one of the most highly regarded patriarchs among the monks of Palestine. He's also one of the founders of Eastern monasticism. His story begins in the mid-5th century with an unhappy childhood in which he was abused and finally sought refuge in a monastery. He was drawn to the solitude of monastic life. By the age of 30, he was given permission to live the life of a hermit. He spent five days each week in a remote cave in Jerusalem, later in Jericho, engaging in prayer and manual labor. In time, Sabas attracted up to 150 followers who lived in individual huts grouped around a church. In his early 50s, Sabas finally began studies for the priesthood. He became abbot among a large community of monks, but continued to hear the call to live as a hermit. Over the years, he traveled throughout Palestine, preaching the faith and bringing many back to the church. Sabas died in 532 at the monastery at Mar Saba, which is still in existence. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish. And we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, and anything that's on your heart, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart, not our subject, but yours, and you're welcome to call or text toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Stephanie. Stephanie writes, um, Hello, Mother Miriam. My husband and I are devout Catholics and raised our three children Catholic. Our daughter is married to a devout Catholic, and they have one child, our first grandson, who's 12 months old. <clears throat> Their second baby is due in February. My son-in-law has an aunt that has publicly professed her relationship with another woman. I don't use the word married because it is not a real marriage, you're right. But they have a civil agreement. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> My question for you, would it be considered a scandal 
if we, the grandparents, attend family events, baptisms, mass, etc., with the gay aunt and partner in attendance. The gay aunt and partner attended the baptism of my first grandson. They also attended mass and received communion. They also attend mass and receive communion. We are also looking for guidance in how this situation should be handled by the parents with the gay aunt and the relationship she will have with their babies. The gay aunt and partner have made statements that they will be helping raise these babies. My son-in-law and daughter are well aware that the gay aunt is living in mortal sin. However, it appears as though my son-in-law has not taken a clear stand with his aunt. I would say to you, to clearly tell your son-in-law in front of his wife, your daughter, that he will be greatly accountable to God for his silence with his aunt, for not telling her that she is living in grave, grave sin, and that she cannot have any part of raising those children whatsoever until she turns back to God. She is not to receive communion um, her lifestyle is not acceptable because God has made it clear that homosexuals uh, and, and uh, such will not be in heaven. And they may have no part of raising the children or even being part of family functions. You need to talk to your daughter and son-in-law about them, read them the scripture on it, read them the catechism on it, and I would not attend any family events where they are attending as a couple because they should not be allowed to attend as a couple. That'll probably separate you from your family. But truth is truth. And that's why we're in the mess we are because the bishops have failed to teach the truth clearly and say, everybody's welcome, I'm okay, you're okay. Well, they're not okay. And you're not okay if you allow it. Um... We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother. I follow lots of your videos about what is happening in our world today and how people need to turn back to God and repent of their sins. I'm just wondering if you think there is nuclear war, famine, and or economic collapse ahead, and if so, can prayer avert these events? Thanks. I do think all of those things are ahead. Um, can prayer avert these? Well, they can. I think it's a little late, though. Uh, I think we've had years to pray, and we haven't. Uh, Catholics, I've said before, I don't believe the world would be in the shape it's in if Catholics alone simply lived their faith. We have failed God in being his missionaries to the world. We have, instead of being in the world, the world has gotten into us, and you can hardly tell Catholics any difference. Go into a restaurant on Sunday and tell me, who are Catholics and who are not. You're not going to be able to tell. You should be able to go into a restaurant on Sunday and see no Catholics in there. So they would have to close because they'd lose business. Or the shopping malls. Or the immodesty in dress. I think we have totally failed God. We have failed our civilization. And I don't think that there's any reverting uh, at this point the devastation that's coming upon us. Does that mean we shouldn't pray? No, we should pray. But I, I think it is too little, too late. Um, 
We have an email from Santino who writes, Hello, Mother, it's me, Santino from Ohio again. Hi, Santino from Ohio. I thought I might send you an email in case I cannot get through to you by phone. I just wanted to ask you your opinion on the Catholic Church no longer giving the blood of Christ to parishioners, but rather only to the priest. I know that for a while before COVID, people were drinking the precious blood, and I'm not sure which way is correct not receiving the blood or receiving the blood. Please help me better understand which way is correct. God bless. Santino, I wasn't Catholic prior to Vatican II, but I don't have any knowledge that the precious blood was distributed to the lay people prior to Vatican II. I think that was probably an innovation of the Novus Ordo. I'm not sure on this, but... um, uh, you know that any part of the host or the precious blood is the whole. One drop of precious blood is the whole Christ, even if we don't receive the host. And any particle of the host is the whole Christ, even if we don't receive the precious blood. So the tradition is to receive only the host, kneeling it on the tongue. That is the tradition. That is yet the norm of the church. And it is the priest alone who receives the precious blood. Okay, now, uh, we have an email from Kevin uh, who says, Are there any materials or programs you could recommend for educating children at home? Also, how can we stand up to a bad bishop who's promulgating heresy and the homosexual agenda in our church and using the synod to do so? On the homeschooling materials or programs, if you could go to our website, uh, motherofisraelshope.org, click on newsletters, and look for our newsletter of, I think it is, let's see, we're now in 2022, it would have been, uh, I think 2020, we have a newsletter totally devoted to homeschooling. And we did a survey of homeschooling moms to come up with the top homeschooling programs and the top resources. So if you can find that newsletter, motherofisraelshope.org, and you can bring it down, you can print it out, you can read it online. Um, We have a survey from homeschooling moms, about 12 questions that they have answered um, to help people's fears and objections. And then we have a page that give you the top resources that they have and um, the top um, actual programs that start you out, that you don't have to put anything together. So hopefully, hopefully that'll help. Um, you can type in probably Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, plus homeschooling, something to bring it up. Uh, how can we stand up to a bad bishop who's promulga- promulgating heresy in the homosexual agenda in our church and using the synod to do so? This current synod, um, nothing is coming from it but evil and false teaching so far that has been reported. Um, so uh, we know our faith. If you're not sure of it, read the Catechism. Read the Catechism of Trent, because that was the last doctrinal council. Vatican II was a pastoral council to say, how do we live the faith in this modern era? 
but it wasn't doctrinal. There's no matter of doctrine or dogma that can be changed, ever. The discipline of it, how we live the faith, can change through the years, but it must be consistent with the doctrine or the discipline is false. Doctrine cannot be changed. And so if you have a bad bishop, I would write him a respectful letter from a respectful sheep and say, Dear Excellency, I'm writing you as a sheep because I and other sheep are in deep pain um, because of the heresy that's being promulgated and the homosexual agenda um, that is being approved of in the church. Um, we know that throughout 2,000 years there has have been many forms of error and heresy, but coming from a bishop is extremely, extremely serious because we know that the faith cannot change. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians that murderers and homosexuals and gossips and slanderers and such will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We don't see where God has ever changed that or given room for it. So we are greatly distressed at this and we beg you, uh, we beg you to return to the truths of the faith. We need a leader. We need a shepherd. We need a holy man of God to help us into heaven. Write him a good, respectful letter and uh, your priest the same and then you make sure you live the faith no matter what anyone says against it. Uh, Susan is on the line from Michigan. Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Oh, hello, Mother Miriam. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, Suzanne. I was a um, community college teacher in my local area for many years, and I made no secret of the fact that I was Catholic, although I wasn't as Catholic as I am now. Um, and I had a student back in 2006 who came from a very abusive family. I didn't know that. Um, and she lived out of her truck. And um, she was a very excellent student. And I encouraged her, and we became friends. Um, and one day she confessed to me that she was gay. And I said to her at that time, this was in 2007, oh, I have a gay friend now. You know, I, I just, I accepted her. She has a very high, had a high opinion of Catholicism because I was accepting of her. And she was at that time in deep turmoil. But now I realize, well, things have happened. I've stayed in touch with her over the years. Um, a year ago, she told me that she was, she moved away to Alaska. She's married a woman, a native woman. She, quote, married. And then they had, they proceeded to have, they got twins now. She got this from her partner's brother, Seaman. I mean, they, they are going all the way. And I, I, I don't refer to her partner as her wife or anything like that, but I have, she's not Catholic. She's not even, she's a nun, really. Uh, non. I mean, she doesn't probably believe in heaven or hell, and I don't, I am at a loss for how to approach her and, and help her without breaking the communication completely. Yes. See, the fear of someone thinking badly of us, thinking we don't approve them, breaking the friendship, is going to send a lot of people to hell, Suzanne, because we have no right to keep truth from them. We speak the truth in love, but we speak the truth for love of their souls, not for the salvation of our friendship. So how, are you still quite a bit in touch with her? Yes. Well, every, you know, every few months she calls me, every three or four months. And I guess I'm not so afraid of losing the friendship. I'm afraid of 
not being able to reach her ever again, you know. And I know. Well, that's but but you see, we take too much upon ourselves. We're not the savior. We cannot save people. God can reach her with the truths that you gave her. Even if she you told her once and she said, "Well, I, I love you, but we can't be friends anymore." She has the truth in her that you told her, and God could use it. So we cannot withhold eternal life and the truth of it from people because we're afraid that we'll lose the opportunity to really help them. And so years go by and we don't help them, and and we're accountable before God. Suzanne, um, do you get together with her physically uh, over coffee or a meal, or do you just speak by phone? Okay. Um, you, you need to set a time with her um, to talk over the phone. And you need to say to her, I really need an hour of our time together. I need to speak with you about what I have failed to speak with you about all these years. And there's no way for me to apologize enough. Uh, I had a, the very poor reason for silence because I didn't want to offend you or lose the opportunity to tell you or destroy friendship and all of that. But the fact is, you know I'm Catholic, and I'm Catholic because I believe these are God's truths and His church, and you are living a lifestyle completely out of His design. Suzanne, hold on until after the break. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. The Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. We'll see you then. May God love you. Praise be to Jesus. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open, and you are still welcome uh, and have time to call in with anything on your heart toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Suzanne from Michigan, are you still on the line? Yes, I am, Mother, and I'm so grateful for you for this hard, you know, this hard teaching. I, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know it myself until a few years ago. So now I understand. When I saw evil and how it was unfolding, they have a wonderful priest. I finally, you know, it's taken me a while. But I think what she has to do is they have two beautiful babies. And they have those babies. They're going to have to live a chaste life and raise those babies. But, I, I, yeah. It's, you know, you're trying to protect them and solve all their situation. But the fact is, while you're doing that, you're letting them go to hell. You cannot do that, Suzanne. You have a great responsibility here. You must call your friend, tell her that you love her and that you were uh, a coward. You were afraid that you'd lose her trust or friendship. And you put that before her own salvation and you have kept this from her all these years although she knew you were catholic and you probably believe what you're going to tell her but say allow me uh to just tell you not just what i believe who cares what i believe but what god has done and what god's word says and what the church he founded says and that uh, homosexuality is Um, It's disordered. It's not what God established. Uh, I know you haven't read the Old Testament, but people were put to death in the Old Testament for the sin of homosexuality. Um, And uh, the New Testament makes it clear that no one will enter heaven. Um, You may not believe in heaven. You may not believe in God. But our belief or lack of it doesn't determine what is. I want to tell you what I must tell you because I believe what I believe that God has taught is true. What you do with it is utterly, of course, up to you. Um, But I beg you to go to God and ask him if these things are true. And if they are, it means you need to become Catholic and your partner needs to become Catholic and you need to raise those children as Catholics and not live together as a homosexual couple. You must not. Um, I wouldn't worry about how you're going to work all that out right now. The main thing is that if you care for your soul, you need to repent and turn to God. And if you care for your partner's soul, you need to help her do the same. And you need to help these twins do the same. And so um, just say, I'm with you every step of the way to help find a priest, to help find a church, to guide you, to teach you, uh, whatever it'll take, I'll be there. But um, but if I withhold this from you, any I've withheld it way, way, way too long, and um, 
in my heart, it's been love for you that's made me withhold this, but it's not love for you. It, it was love for our friendship and its potential, which I see now is, is the devil's way to lead you to hell. So you need to be absolutely humble with her and honest with her, Suzanne, and say, I can't save you, only God can, but he will not refuse the one who comes to him. And what will happen with your relationship with your partner and your daughters and all that, don't let that stand in the way. God is the God of the impossible. There's nothing impossible for him to do. You are so right. <laughs> okay. Don't waste any time, Suzanne. Don't waste, don't, don't let a week go by. Don't waste any time. You have an enormous responsibility to call and speak with her. I will do it. Okay. God bless you, and we will pray for you, Suzanne. Thank you. I appreciate your prayers. Okay, sweetheart. Okay, bye-bye. We have an email from Mary. Mary says, Can you please share your thoughts on Medjugorje and Our Lady? Mary, I don't have much to share with you. I have been to Medjugorje. Father Groeschel, before he died, was of the opinion that it actually happened. Our Lady did come. Uh, to those six children, but he didn't have any confidence that her appearances were ongoing. Um, I would also be of the mindset that it, it was true and that it happened, but I cannot speak for anything ongoing, nor can I affirm that it's true since the church has not affirmed that. So, um, the, the bishop there and, and the Holy Father has allowed visits to continue to Medjugorje, but there's no definitive um, approval yet of the church. So I cannot give you any other thoughts beyond that. We have an email from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I have a question regarding a sibling who is engaged to be married and how to decline attendance to her wedding. Here is the backstory. She is my youngest stepsister through marriage. She is fully catechized and received all of her sacraments up to this point, but not a practicing Catholic. I want to stop right there. Because we uh, teach a catechism class does not mean that our students are catechized. It, because you tell someone the truth of the faith does not mean that they've heard them. Uh, our teaching might be poor. Uh, our, uh, the people we teach may not be receptive. They may be there because they have to be there. Uh, all kinds of reasons. Because we think we catechize people does not mean they're catechized, does not mean that they are taught, does not mean that they have absorbed the lesson. So... It's more accurate to say that she received all of her sacraments and the teaching, but it doesn't mean she's received the teaching. If she's not a practicing Catholic, obviously she did not. I do know, Anonymous says, that she attends Mass, albeit not regularly, and I'm unsure of her attending confession one time per year, as declared by the Church. I'm unaware of her fiancé's religion as well. I have not had the opportunity to ask but I have a feeling that he's not Catholic. They are cohabitating together. Now, she's your youngest sibling, um, youngest stepsister sibling through marriage. Why you have not 
had the opportunity to ask, um, and and yet you know they're cohabitating is a mystery. Hold on, please. Not, not easy to cough with broken ribs. <laughs> This is a bit of a mystery, dear one. She goes on to say, my family and I, my husband and children, will not be attending this for the obvious reasons stated above. However, in my response to her, I feel the need to tell her the reasons why, for the sake of her soul and her fiancé's soul, as she must. How should I go about explaining this to her with love and compassion? I tell you, it's the same answer as I just gave to Suzanne. You need to call her, see her in person if possible, and apologize for your silence all this time. That you are Catholic and you know the truth and you know that she's not living in the truth. And that she's going to be marrying someone who she's cohabitating with. So we know that she's not practicing the Catholic faith, which means she doesn't believe it. If she says, oh yes I do, I'm not, no you don't. You live what you believe. You may have an intellectual understanding or assent, but you don't believe it because you don't live it. What you live is what you believe. And so you need also to greatly apologize to her for your, your failure in not having spoken with her sooner and say, you know, here's what I beg of you to return to Christ, to learn of the church, and... Um, I want you to know that my husband and I and family, we cannot attend your wedding because it will be a wedding that is not for God, but against God. There's the end of our program, beloved. Um, God willing, we'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.